When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, listeners, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 261 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing all things master bedroom related. We're talking decluttering, organizing, and really prioritizing the space for its function. Today, I'm speaking with Amy Mayorga. She is my Instagram friend. She is also a certified KonMari consultant and a professional organizer. Amy is here to give us her best decluttering, organizing, living tips for our master bedrooms. Amy, I am so thrilled to talk to you. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm great. We've been following each other on Instagram for many years now, and I'm really thrilled to actually be able to (laughs) communicate with you off of social media. Tell us who you are and what you do. And I should say that I've been so loving your Instagram content because we tend to talk about the same things. So I am Amy Mayorga. I go by Minimalista Mom on Instagram, but I am a professional organizer, certified Kunmari consultant. So I help people clear the clutter out of their lives and get their spaces organized. How did you find yourself interested in professional organizing, but specifically the KonMari method. I remember I have three kids now, but when my oldest had a birthday party, he was, it was his third birthday party. I came home from the birthday party with a trunk full of toys and I just felt instantly overwhelmed. Like I was thinking, I do not know where we're going to put these toys. I don't know (laughs) what to do. It was just bringing me a lot of stress and overwhelm. And it was like a jumping off point for me. And I remembered that I had recently been at my very good friend's house and she had this very organized storage closet and I commented on it and she had told me about Marie Kondo's book. And so I decided to just take that as a sign and I downloaded the book on Audible and I just dove right in. I followed her steps to a T and it all just really resonated with me. Yeah, I went category by category through my house and I just started to feel a sense of relief and calm. I felt like I was coming back to myself. Like I was peeling away layers of who I wasn't supposed to be. I was like, oh my gosh, how do I have all of these bottles of shampoo and body wash and everything is in plastic. And it just made me sick to my stomach that 
I had just been mindlessly purchasing and acquiring and then having to throw away. And But I, I started my business slowly but surely. And now and now I, I do this for, for a job. It's fun to have something that I feel passionate about, that I feel like I'm helping people, that I'm serving a higher purpose in making people more conscious of their consumption habits and just trying to live a more mindful life. So much of your answer there speaks to what I talk about on this show all the time. You said essentially that decluttering was not the end goal. Decluttering was a way for you to peel back, peel away, shed even perhaps the layers of you that didn't quite fit. You also, you know, talked about how decluttering your home and looking at your stuff really made you think about environmental issues when mm-hmm. perhaps you had thought about them before, perhaps you haven't. But I want to glean your wisdom, but I only want to talk about the master bedroom, the master suite today. Because mm-hmm. instead of dabbling in the whole house, KonMari methods, I want to really get down and dirty into the master bedroom. So I have to ask you first and foremost, and this is really just to satisfy my curiosity, but if you had to pick one person's home, one master bedroom that you've ever transformed, which one was it? Give me a picture. (laughs) Oh my God. It was my own. Like (laughs) my own master bedroom is my oasis. I remember before I had furniture in there that I didn't even need to be in there. I have a desk and a big dresser and I had this big mirror with this dark frame. And I had just lots of knickknacks and books. I I don't know, like crafting things in that desk and artwork that I didn't enjoy. And now after going through this process and granted, like it's taken time, but it's a place where I go and I feel recharged and everything there serves a purpose. And it just is a place where I can end and start my day peacefully. So That brings me to my most important question today is what should be in a master bedroom and what shouldn't be? I ask that because I'm thinking about my own master bedroom. And even though it is my husband's and my space, that's our one space that the kids really theoretically should have (laughs) no influence on. That's not really how it works in real life. I know because I was just up there. My daughter's hairbrush is on my dresser. It doesn't belong there. But what should be in the master bedroom for flow and function? First and foremost, it's a comfortable bed. Your bed is a place that you end and start your day. Sleep is so important. When you don't get a good night's sleep, it's hard to think. It's harder to be calm and respond in a way that's more kind. It's harder to be as productive. So I would say a bed is super important and a bed that you can sleep well on and sheets that feel good and a blanket that is comfortable, pillowcases that you like using. Another thing that's important is surfaces right near your bed like nightstands where you can put all those things that help you transition um, into sleep and out of sleep. Like for me, I like to have a bottle of water so that I can stay hydrated when I wake up or if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm thirsty, it's right there. And for some people, let's say it's headphones or earplugs. I love to diffuse essential oils. Like I like using lavender to promote relaxation. So I have a diffuser right there, but I have since taken away. I don't have a digital clock in my room. 
I try not to charge my cell phone right next to my bed or like a tablet right next to my bed. I have a book or two that I'm reading, but I try not to have things that activate my brain into like things that I feel like I should be doing. Let's say you have a basket of laundry you have to fold. That's making you feel like you should be doing that instead of resting. Or if you see a pile of papers or something you need to return or just things that kind of wake you up. So I try and not have any of that in my bedroom. Another thing that is really helps is clear surfaces. So let's say you have a a dresser in your bedroom, really be mindful about what you keep on your dresser. Do you really want to see that photo in your room? That's like your private space. Do you want to be looking at like a, a hairbrush? Like you mentioned, do you want to be looking at old receipts or things that you have to recycle or whatever it is? So remembering how sacred your bedroom is. And like you said, it's the one space where you can have that space to recharge. And in terms of things that can take away from the energy of a bedroom, keeping exercise equipment that is like big and bulky can really detract from that feeling of serenity, or let's say a lot of electronics, or if you like to play video games to see that in your room or like big speakers, anything that is electronic or big and dark that can also take away the energy. So something to keep in mind is when you visit a hotel room, like a hotel that you really like, and you get excited Mm -hmm. to be there and you feel good there. Like if you close your eyes and you imagine that space, what do you see? Do you see exercise equipment? Do you see paperwork that you need to deal with? Do you see dirty clothes on the floor? No, you see, you basically, you don't see much. You see some furniture that is functional, maybe a piece of artwork or two that is inspiring and calm. And the colors that you see are also important. Colors that promote like relaxation and peace can include things like colors like white and creams and tans and staying away from bright colors. I know everyone has different preferences. And if you want to express yourself and it brings you joy to have like bright colors in your bedroom, then by all means do it. But if you really think about the hotel room that you feel relaxed in, mainly the bedding is, is white. It's a minimal space. Try and carry that into your own bedroom can be super helpful. I love all of that. (laughs) It's important first and foremost, to remember the function of the space, the purpose for this space's existence, and it's to relax and recharge. That is the purpose of our bedrooms. You mentioned the beds, quick plug for my recent interview with Tim Masters of my green mattress. We talked a lot about investing in the right mattress, the right bedding for your bed. But you said a lot there. Let's talk about technology first, Mm -hmm. because in 2022, I've said it before, I'll say it again, because I really do believe it's true. Our cell phones are an appendage. They're always on us. The thought of leaving them downstairs or away from our person to charge, gosh forbid, turning them off, that can bring up a lot of anxiety for people who are dependent on their technology. So what words of encouragement do you have for listeners who sleep with their phone, charging right next to them, they don't turn it off? What words do you have for them to hopefully have them consider doing something differently? First of all, I'm not perfect because there are nights where I am on my phone right before bed, but I do notice that if I do that, 
then I don't sleep as well. If I am scrolling and watching videos right before bed, because I am a normal person, and sometimes it just catches me and you get caught in a loop and it's hard to get off, then I don't sleep as well. But the nights when I am super mindful about it and put it in, I charge it in my bathroom that's like right next to my room and I charge it there, I sleep better. But I would say baby steps. Try putting the do not disturb on your phone. Try dimming the blue light. Try maybe taking like the last 30 minutes right before bed or even 10 minutes and grab a book and and read a book or just um, do something or write in a journal. Do something that isn't part of technology to ease your mind into that sleep mode. I would say just baby steps in doing it. You don't need to go all in. But maybe just do an experiment and see if you sleep better, not having your phone right next to your bed, or if you sleep better, just weaning away a little bit earlier from your phone right before bed. I sleep with my phone off charging in the bathroom. And I've done this because I realized that my sleep is vastly improved. I go to sleep quicker. I stay Mm -hmm. asleep longer because I'm not jumping out of bed to go check my phone. and. I just say that to say that when my phone is off, it really feels as though a part of my brain shuts off the part of my brain. That's always, yeah, activated. And so that works for me. I want to talk to you, Amy, about common master bedroom conundrums, common problems, common issues we all have in our master bedrooms and how to fix them. We're going to get into all of that with Amy Mayorga after a quick word from today's sponsor. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. 
And we are back with Amy Mayorga. She is a certified KonMari consultant, and we are talking all things master bedrooms. Before the break, Amy, we were talking about technology in our bedrooms. People much smarter than me say that's a big no-no. What else, though, are some common solutions to some common problems? I know a big one when it comes to master bedrooms is excess clothes. What are your best decluttering and organizing strategies for bedrooms that are overflowing with clothing items? So for someone who is struggling with too many clothes, I would really get quiet within yourself and really ask yourself, do I need this many clothes? Is it really adding to my life or could it be subtracting? And some of the ways that it could be subtracting is in your time. When you have a lot of things, it is hard to find what you are looking for. You want to try on more clothes and that takes time. You start to, let's say, dig through what you do have and and, and then you don't know where things go because there isn't enough space. I read a study that said that the average American wastes 55 minutes a day, roughly 12 days a year, looking for things they own but can't find. So in owning less, you can actually gain more time. And in ways to decipher what to keep and what not to keep and what to bring into your life and let go of. It really is just listening to what you like. Do you really need 10 pairs of dress pants that you never wear? You probably don't. And by letting go of those items, you gain space. For our brains, it is so helpful to see space, negative space. It's like a way of calming the brain. Let's say you walk into, let's say, a museum and there's all of this empty space. I don't know about you, but I instantly feel better as opposed to, let's say you walk into an electronic store and it's jam-packed with all of this stuff and it like elevates the stress levels in your brain. In fact, there's another study that says that clutter can like affect the stress levels in your brain, especially in women. So it's just another reason to really just be mindful in the quantity of clothing that you do have. There isn't a correct number of items to own. So if you go through and you decide that something no longer serves you and you let it go, I would just let that space breathe before replacing it and seeing if you really do miss it. I love what you said there about letting the space breathe. I, you know, have tend to have, I think we all tend to have the same outfits that we always reach for the same shirts, the same pants. They feel good. They look good. We always reach for them. In efforts of saving time, my strategy for those go-to clothes, I roll them up and then I store them in my drawers because that, putting them in my drawers is way easier than hanging them, taking mm-hmm. them down all the time. My drawers are reserved for my go-to clothes. And that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me because I'm washing them more. I'm putting them away more. And I, I haven't done the math out listeners, but I do seem to think that I am saving myself time. Do you have any practical clothes storage solutions? And that was a real tongue twister for listeners. Yeah, clothing storage. St- st- it, see, I can't even say it either. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go for it. Do you have any for us? 
Yeah. So uh, touching on exactly what you said, the vertical fold, like the file fold can save you so much space. I've gone into clients' homes where you're stacking the shirts like you would traditionally. And when we go in and refold the things that they're keeping, you can store so much more in a drawer. It's amazing. I would say another thing is to use like baskets or boxes to separate different types of items. So let's say you have one drawer for all of your undergarments. You can use like an old plastic box that you're not using anymore or a shoebox. And you can separate your underwear from your socks, from your bras, or from your camisoles. And just that division can help you. And you don't have to fold everything. Like you don't have to be there folding your underwear and like even your socks. Like you can let them breathe as long as they're separated from the other things if if that works for you. A trick that I like to use is adding some hooks in your closet for, let's say that that robe or that sweatshirt that you're in the process of using isn't dirty enough to wash and you want to reuse it. So you just hang it on the hook or another thing to do is like a basket on a shelf where you can throw your pajamas that you're going to rewear. So they don't get mixed in with, with things that are like, are right out of the wash. So that's another trick. Shoe racks are super helpful. If you have the space on your floor, and if you don't have built-in shoe storage, because getting your shoes all together where you can see them all at once makes it very helpful when you're trying to pick out what to wear. And you might realize that, wow, you really don't need six pairs of high heels when you never wear high heels. If you see them and you're face-to-face with them, do you need all of those heels? Hanging things that really feel like they, they want to be hung. That sounds silly, but if you pick up a shirt, like a silk blouse and like that type of material, it just, it hangs better than being folded because it'll get wrinkled a lot easier. And My number one tip with all of my clients, like I have people who come in and they're like, I want you to reorganize my closet. I tell them we need to take everything out. And they look at me with like wide eyes. Are you serious? I say, yes, that is the only way to go through everything and really shift the energy in the closet. So you take everything out and then you wipe down all of the surfaces and you can just, you can feel the energy change. So taking everything out and going through the items one by one And then when you're ready to put them back, reevaluate where you store things. You can think outside the box. There are no rules. Me personally, I don't have a dresser anymore. Oh, another tip is having like baskets that you can put some seasonal items that you don't need immediate access to. Let's say in the winter, you might not need immediate access to bathing suits or bathing suit covers or shorts. And so you can put them folded nicely in a basket like up top. And I like to keep it accessible because let's say you have to like plan for a trip. You don't have to go digging through an attic or a storage space to go find the bin. And it just, it saves you time in order to save time, own just what you need and what brings you joy, because it will lighten up your burden and stress and make you feel better. There are two things that you said there that I want to highlight. The first is keep what you can store in your space. So Mm -hmm. keep it in your closet, keep your clothes in your closet. Don't keep them in the attic. Don't put them in your storage space. Everybody has a different size closet, different size home, different size kitchen. However, I do think that it's so important to consider the concept of space limits, like the size of your closet in this case dictates the amount of stuff that you can comfortably happily keep. Because if you're storing clothes here, there, all over the house and other places, that's just going to increase your stress and time issues when it comes to finding these things. So 
if all at all possible, keep your stuff where it belongs, keep clothes in your closet. The other thing you said that I really want to drill down is your hooks in the closet example, Mm -hmm. because I think you mentioned perhaps the clothes that aren't quite dirty, you could wear again, but you're, but they're a little dirty. So you don't want to put them at the clean clothes. And you mentioned hooks. I know I used to have a chair in my bedroom for like the semi-dirty stuff. Do you have any other thoughts on the semi-dirty stuff? We don't want to throw them on a chair. We certainly don't want to put them back in the drawer or in the closet with the clean stuff. What do we do with that stuff? Is the answer a hook? Some people like to hang them in a different direction on a hanger, but I feel like that's too much thinking for me. I like to keep it easy. So something that I'm going to rewear, again, it's either a hook or I've got a couple baskets that have lids on them. And I put them in there and I reuse them. If there's leggings that I'm in, a, I, I didn't really, I wore them and then I didn't really exercise. I'll put them in there and I'll grab for them first. Like I'll open that basket and, and grab for those things first. So I don't think you need to overthink it, but we also don't need to be overwashing our clothes. So I have a few more questions for you, Amy. The first comes with decor. I think mm-hmm. decor is quite personal. When it comes to creating that serene space, I know you mentioned, think about a hotel room. The first step is decluttering, clear the surfaces, get rid of what you don't need to look at. A side note here is my husband and I, this is so silly. I can't believe we did this, but for many years, we kept our hamper for dirty clothes, like, like by under the windows, like on the side of the room. And so Every time I walked into my bedroom, that was in my line of sight, dirty clothes, something that I have to take care of, yeah. something that's unattractive to look at. One day I just woke up, I was like, why don't we just put that hamper in the closet? Yeah. Let's be smart about this. So when it comes to decor, I think that step one is to get the ugly stuff out of sight. But what else? What should be in a room to create that serene space that's right for rejuvenation? Less. The answer is less, less. Do you really need a bookcase in your bedroom? Do you really need a sewing desk or a rocking chair? Do you really need two dressers? Do you really need a couple of those really tall dressers? Like what do you not need in your bedroom? I would start there and then just bring in the necessary and then when the necessary works then you can add like a touch or two of things. Let's say it's, oh, let's say you have a lot of pillows on your bed. And when you see the pillows, you say, okay, that looks really nice. But subconsciously, are you thinking, oh, I have to pick up all of those pillows every single day. My kids are going to be throwing those pillows everywhere. I have to make the bed. It's this whole big process. I don't want to do it. I'm just not going to touch anything. It's all going to live on my floor. So just rethink what you keep in your room. And for me, it's, I, I don't really like decorative pillows. I have got one on the chair in my bedroom and none on my bed. Gone are the days where I have like, six pillows in my bed. The things in your life, if they're not serving you, they're taking away from your life. They're taking away time. They're taking away energy. All of the things in our life send us messages, whether we're conscious of it or not. Let's say we see something on our counter that is dirty. We might not be conscious of it, but in the back of our minds, we're thinking, oh, I didn't clean that dish or, oh my gosh, I I have to take the time to do that. Or, oh, that food is going to get sticky on the dish. Our things send us messages. So in being mindful 
of what we keep in our life and let go of the things that no longer serve us, we can quiet down those messages and we can focus our energy on things that actually matter. In decluttering my own life and my own space, and I've heard this many times from clients, it opens your mind to bigger issues and it opens your mind to allow you space and it just reduces your stress. It sounds so silly, getting rid of stuff can make your life better, but actually it's the first step in living a more mindful life, or it can be if you allow it to be. I can just hear the passion in your voice, and I want to thank you for bringing it to my show today. I want to say, though, I live in a house that was built in 1960, and my master bedroom is tiny. So again, going back to the concept of boundaries, I can't Mm -hmm. have a lot in there. You mentioned you don't have a dresser. Mm -hmm. My master bedroom would be totally served if I took out the dresser. And I'm going to think about that. But my question then becomes like newer houses Mm -hmm. that were built in the last 20 years or sooner, the master suites are gigantic. They're absolutely huge. So I think it's human nature for us to say, let's fill this space. But then Mm -hmm. the catch 22 occurs where we're filling this space with stuff that shouldn't be in the bedrooms. I don't know if there's a question there. I guess I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. I think that's a common trap that a lot of people fall into is I need to fill it. I'm going to challenge that and say, what if you didn't? What if you left it empty? It's less to dust. It's less to clean. It's less to worry about and think about and maintain try having some space, see how it makes you feel. There are no rules when it comes to living more mindfully, maybe living with less. You can live in a tiny house and that's amazing. You can live in a large house, but it's all in how you approach it. Just because you have space doesn't mean you need to fill it. Just because you have money doesn't mean you need to spend it. Just because you have a closet doesn't mean you need hundreds and hundreds of clothes. If those aren't phenomenal parting words. I don't know what is. Amy, tell my listeners where they can find you online, where they can learn more about you. My Instagram handle is minimalista mom. So minimalist and then an A and then mom. My website is minimalista organizing.com. Quick plug for your Instagram. We started at the same time and you, your account has really just taken off and mine's remained pretty stagnant. And that's a testament to the content you're putting out into the world. And again, the content you brought to the show today. So Amy, I am so happy to have talked to you. I consider you my friend in Texas and I wish you so much success. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. And it's so nice to talk to you. I feel like I already know you. (laughs) Same. Next time I'm in Texas, we're going out. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll go to a coffee shop and and talk all things, minimalism, sustainability, mom life, all of that. Listeners, that's a wrap. I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amy Mayorga. I have linked to her in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 261. Quick shameless plug, if you like this show, if you've just started listening, or if you've been listening for a while, don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. That is the number one way you can help grow this show, help keep it around for years to come. If you have a question, you can email me or reach out to me on social media. I'll put those handles in the show notes as well. Or if you have a great eco-minimalist tip you want to share, 
send that to me as well, and it will become an eco tip on a future episode. So if you are just killing it at something, you have a tip or a trick or a hack that you think can help somebody else, don't be shy. Share the wealth. I would love to take your tip and broadcast it to other sustainable minimalists. So the show will be back on Thursday where we are talking about no mo may. What on earth is no mo may? We're going to talk about it on Thursday, so don't miss it. I will see you then and take care.